Likutei Sichais, Chelik Yud, Volume 10, the second Sichah for Parshas Lechlecha. This Sichah will be about the special mitzvah of Bris Mila. In this Sichah we will find out who is the first to ever have done this mitzvah of Bris Mila and who is the most important person in history in the performance of this mitzvah. Let's begin. In this week's Parsha, we learn about how Avram Avinu was commanded by Hashem to perform the mitzvah of Bris Mila and how he actually did the mitzvah. The Medrish terms him, at him, that's Avram Avinu, as Rishon Lamulim, the first for all circumcisers. And this goes to the extent that at every single Bris Mila, we make the bracha of Asher Kedishon Mitzvah to bring in the child into the bris of Avram Avinu. And we refer to him not only as Avram, but Avinu, because this is already an union of Yerusha. This is like an inheritance. In other words, we inherited this mitzvah from Avram Avinu. And in the concept of inheritance that is so powerful that the person, the heir, becomes, quote, b'mokoim hamoydish. He actually takes the place of the person from whom he is inheriting this special thing, whatever it may be. Thus, the child that's having a bris mila now becomes, so to speak, as if he is performing the bris of Avram Avinu. So his bris is Avram Avinu's bris, or the same as it. But here's the question. And in fact, the Rebbe asks three questions. Number one, the Rambam, when discussing this special mitzvah of bris milah, he makes the following statement. He says, the reason why we do this mitzvah, we meaning B'nai Yisrael, after Matan Torah, is not because Avram was commanded by Hashem to do the mitzvah and we are his descendants, but rather because Hashem gave us so many commandments through Moshe Rabbeinu, and one of them is to do the bris milah. So in other words, when we do the mitzvah, we're performing the mitzvah because we were told so by Hashem through Moshe Rabbeinu. So if so, how come we make this bracha, Moreover, we know that it, our mitzvahs, in comparison to the mitzvahs that the Avais performed, we know that the Avais performed all the mitzvahs, even prior to the fact that the Torah was officially given to us at Har Sinai. So the Medrash tells us, based on a Pasuk Shirim, that the mitzvahs of the Avais that they performed is merely like a fragrance compared to the actual, so to speak, oil just like when you have a perfume, you have the actual oil where you have the full intensity of the smell, you have the full substance of it, of the fragrance. That's the that's the the the, the difference between our mitzvahs and theirs. So it comes out from that that our mitzvah is significant compared to the mitzvah of even of Avram Avinu that he when he performed his bris. So then again, how come we categorize the mitzvah that we just did with this little baby? as being the mitzvah on the level of the bris of Avram Avinu. And the third question, the nusach, the, the wording, the verbiage of the bracha doesn't seem to make sense. 
It should have been to bring him into the bris, into the covenant of a Kaddish Baruch. You're bringing the child into a covenant with Hashem, not with Avram Avinu or of Avram Avinu. So how come this is the Nusach of the Bracha? So in order to understand this, the Rebbe says, we'll introduce first a statement that the Alter Rebbe makes regarding this mitzvah of bris milah. And the Rebbe says that Tchilas Knisas Nefesh Akdoisha, that the beginning of the Knisa, of the entry of the of the, the, the of this of the Nefesh Akdoisha of the Holy Soul, meaning the, the, the Nefesh Elikis of the of the child, comes in at the Bris Mila. The question is, one second. This basically is inferring that there was no nefesh kiss involved in that child's life up to the point, up to the eighth day of the, uh, when you perform the bris milah. But one moment, we know that Chazal tell us that prior to the birth, while the fetus is still in the womb, there's a malach that learns Torah with the child for all that time. So it does exist. Who is the malach learning Torah with? With the nisham, with the soul of that child. So how can we say that the soul doesn't enter the child until he is born? The answer is, and the key word here is, the Altarebbe doesn't say that the Nishama is not there at all. He says the Kenisa, this is the key word, the entry. What does entry mean? The connection, the permeance of the soul is not affected, doesn't actually happen full-fledged, until he has the bris milah. In other words, while the child is still a fetus, before the, the birth, not only the neshama, but even in general, the life of that child, what we would call the nefesh achiyunis, is also not realized. Because if you think about it, the child is not an independently living. The child's full life and whole entire life depends on the mother. And therefore... What happens when the child is born? That's when, so to speak, the nefesh achayunis kicks in in its full independence. And now you see the child is alive. And the nefesh alikis, the connection of it to the body, is not actualized and certainly not realized until the point when you make the bris mila and you connect this child, through his flesh, this is a key word here, through his flesh, you connect him with Hashem. Then you have the kinesa, the entry, the connection, the full permeance of the nefesh elikis in this child now as a Yiddish child. And this is what makes the mitzvah of bris milah so much different than all other mitzvahs. This is what actually makes it so unique in contrast to every single other mitzvah. What is the idea of a mitzvah? The, law, the mitzvah, the word mitzvah means not only command, but it also comes from the word safsa v'chibar. It's a connection. Every time we do a mitzvah, we connect to Hashem. In all the various ways, each mitzvah connects us in another way, in another aspect. However, whenever a person performs a mitzvah, even though it's certain that there is a connection they are made between the person and Hashem, but that connection is not visible. That connection is not obvious in the person. For example, it's obvious that if a person gives tzedakah, that hand 
that gave the tzedakah now becomes more refined every time you give tzedakah. The hand that lit Shabbos candles, the hand that put on tefillin, becomes more refined. It's now more connected to Hashem, including the whole body, but especially that particular body part that was used for the mitzvah. However, when you look at the body part, you don't notice, you don't see the effect of the mitzvah. Whereas the mitzvah of bris milah, the entire performance of the mitzvah is in such a way, in such a manner, that it's clear and obvious, it's realized, and you can see it in the flesh of the person for his entire life. But in the flesh of the baby, when the mitzvah is done, you see, you realize, it's obvious that the mitzvah was done, the connection was made. And this is what makes the mitzvah of bris milah stand apart from all of the mitzvahs. Furthermore, even in terms of the idea of bris, of making a covenant, in the Torah we find several covenants that were made between HaKadosh Baruch Hu and Yisrael, between the Yidin and the Ebishter. However, those covenants were made in a manner that did not necessarily involve the body, certainly not the lowest part, the lowest physical part of the body. For example, the bris that we all are bound by, the bris that the covenant we made with Hashem to keep the Torah, to receive the Torah, which was made by Har Sinai, so we know the Medrash tells us, it says in Pirkei Rebbe Eliezer, that that covenant was made not only with those that were physically present there at the time, rather with every single Yid, with every single Nishama, even those who weren't there then, their Nishama was there. In fact, to take it a step further, even the Nishama of a Ger, somebody who a thousand or three thousand years later is to convert to Judaism, even his Nishama, her Nishama was there at Har Sinai and accepted this covenant. So this tells us that this covenant didn't directly connect to the physical body. Moreover, even for those who were present here at the time, the bris, the covenant, was verbalized. It was something they heard with their ears. Something you hear with, the, with your ears, although it's a physical action, it has a physical effect, but it's more of a spiritual in nature because it goes into your mind, which, and it affects your mind. You hear it, you accept it in your mind, and so on. But it didn't actually involve any physical action, any, any, so to speak, any physical contact with the body itself, and certainly not something that transformed the body. Whereas the bris mila, this is such a bris, this is such a covenant that actually takes effect and has to take effect in order for it to be a bris in the body itself, in the flesh of the body itself. And this is the entire purpose of the bris milah. That while the child is only eight days old, he doesn't even have the capacity to understand, to know anything, to realize what's happening with him. It's only the flesh, so to speak, the, the, the lowest part of the person, not even their intellectual, their emotional, their psychological part, and certainly not the spiritual aspects of the person. It's just the baby, the flesh itself. That's the connection that's being made to Hashem and such a connection that it's always going to be obvious that it was made. And based on this, we can better understand and answer the questions why the bracha is what connection it has to Avram Avinu specifically. There's an explanation from in, in the Sefer called Priha Aretz which is one of the early Hasidic Svarim, which is for a Mendel Horodoker, who was one of the Rebbes of the Alter Rebbe. 
And over there he describes the greatness of the Mesidus Nefesh of Avram, especially when it came to the Nisayan, to the test of the Akedah. And he explains over there that although we see, and over the thousands of years, we in the Jewish history, we have witnessed many, many times, we have so many accounts of people who gave up their lives, Al-Kiddush Hashem, who went through some of the worst Nisayanus. Maybe even some of them even what would seem to be even more difficult and challenging, worse than what Avram Avinu went through. And yet, Avram Avinu is hailed as this great hero when it comes to Mesides Nefesh. And he asks why? And the answer is precisely because he is the first one to have pulled it off. It's true that Hashem spoke to him, spoke to him directly, and others, especially simple people over the generations who were put to the test and gave up their lives for Hashem, did not hear a Kaddish Baruch Hu. They did not hear it directly from Hashem. But the fact that he was the first, he was like the trailblazer. He was the first one to break through this barrier. That gives him all that credit. That's what makes him so unique. In fact, the reason why all the other ones, in all the generations later, were able to withstand an Isaiah and actually go through with it is because of the strength that they draw from the very first one who did it, the one who broke the way, so to speak, the one who, you know, broke through the barrier and initiated this whole concept of Mesides Nefesh. Thus, whenever a Yid is Moser Nefesh, of course they get the credit. But this goes back to Avram Avinu. Says the Rebbe, however, this is only true. In other words, when is the first, the trailblazer, actually provide that help, the strength, the courage to go through Mesides Nefesh, to perform that particular mitzvah, this great mitzvah Mesides Nefesh, that's only when the person is aware of it, especially when the person has the capacity to understand it, to grasp it. And that gives him the encouragement. That gives him the inner strength to do it. A baby, however, has no capacity of such. The baby has no shaykhs to this concept. He doesn't know anything about Avraham. He doesn't know anything about anything. And therefore, this baby that's now having the bris milah, this baby that is now, the bris is being performed on, he doesn't have this, so to speak, gift from Avram Avinu, that Avram Avinu is the first one to do it, and now he is doing it. For him, this is like a very first thing. For him, this is an initiation. This is, a, he is a trailblazer in his own world. He is the trailblazer for making a bris milah. In fact, of course, the question would be, well, if that's the case, what happens if somebody's making a bismillah when they are already an adult? Or, for example, a ger. Somebody's converting to Yiddishkeit. Over there, it's already an adult who understands what they're facing, understands what a bismillah is, and still takes it upon themselves. It's true. And it could very well be that they draw koyach, they draw the strength and encouragement from Avram Avinu. However, the fact is that the bris is not being made on the brain. The bris is being made on the flesh, and the flesh is feeling the pain. That piece of flesh on what and and and, and, and where the bris is being made does not have the capacity to draw any strength, any inspiration, any encouragement from Avram Avinu. 
Thus, in a certain sense, even that person, an adult or a convert that's making a bismillah, also benefits from this idea that he is the first, so to speak, because he is doing it exactly the way Avram Avinu did it. Just like Avram Avinu was the first to do a bris milah, in this person's life, especially a baby, but even an adult that's doing a bris milah, for that piece of flesh, this is a first. No one ever preceded him because he doesn't have the mental capacity the intellectual capacity to really understand and to appreciate and therefore to draw uh, encouragement, inspiration from Avram Avinu. And this can help us understand why when we make the bracha, we say, Because what we're declaring, what we're announcing is that this child, or in the case of a ger, this ger, this adult, his bris milah, is exactly the same of Avram Avinu's Mila, meaning that this is a first. This is something unique. This is something special. This is not something which is coming after another thing or deriving inspiration from it. This is an initiation. And this can also help us understand another aspect of the mitzvah of bris Mila. We know, and it's obvious, that the mitzvah of bris Mila involves pain. It involves pain. The fact is, you make a baby, a bris milah, anyone, there's pain involved. And not only that this is a default reality. In fact, according to halacha, and there are many opinions, that there has to be pain. Meaning, and this is especially applicable when you're making a bris for an adult, you cannot put a person under general anesthesia. It's very problematic. Why? Because then they won't feel anything. And if they won't feel anything, the whole uh, operation, the whole bris milah, comes into question. Is it actually valid? Did it actually do what it's supposed to? Did it accomplish what it's supposed to accomplish? So the question is, why is it so? Why did Hashem make it that in order to give a baby a bris milah, in order to have them connect to Hashem, to make this covenant, there has to be pain? The fact is that in general, we know that it's there's a mitzvah to serve Hashem with joy. And every mitzvah has to be done with joy. Here the joy is taken away. Here there's pain. In fact, by the way, this is one of the primary reasons we don't make a shechiyanu, because there's pain. So the question is, why? And now we can understand the answer. Because the ultimate purpose, the objective of this mitzvah, is that it permeates the flesh. It permeates that part of the body that is going to feel Hashem. It's going to connect to Hashem in the lowest part of the body. In the siyuma, the gufa, which is considered to be the end of the corpse of the body. Thus, Hashem wants to connect to the person, not only on their spiritual level, not only on their emotional, intellectual level, but all the way down, so to speak, to the bottom, to the lowest part, to the lowest aspect of the person. In other words, here's where dira betachtainim is fully and absolutely accomplished. If there wasn't an involvement, in the actual flesh, the way it normally is, meaning that it feels pain, and especially when you're making an decision, it creates a lot of pain, then that means that some aspect of this tachtoin, of this lower thing, is not present. If it's not present, then it's not a full-fledged covenant of Hashem with the full entire person up to his lowest part of that person. And therefore, the mitzvah has to be in such a manner that it involves even the pain, which is the normal, natural course 
for that flesh. And this can leave us with a very special lesson, a very important lesson. Although the Alter Rebbe writes in Halacha that a person is not allowed to inflict any pain on their body. A person is not voluntarily allowed to do anything that will harm the body. However, when a person finds themselves in a situation where the Eibishter, Hashem, gives them a shlichus, gives them something, a task, gives them a mission which they need to accomplish, and that mission might involve or can potentially involve pain or some harm to the body. So the question is, should they maybe not do it? Should they maybe opt not to do it? The answer is no. It's obvious that in that particular person's situation, their calling right now is to bring down Hashem, to make a diribatachtonim through that particular action, to that particular task, even or perhaps especially to that lowest point that even involves pain or something that might harm their body. And of course, the Rebbe says, when one accepts this shlichus, one sees at the end, when one embraces it, one sees at the end that not only there won't be pain, but at the end, it, 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 because somebody volunteered, somebody allowed themselves to, to, to do the task, at the end, Hashem turns the events in such a manner that there shouldn't be actual pain to the body.